0: Cup of coffee in the big time, yeah. I will not let this opportunity slip through my fingers. Cup of coffee in the big time. This is Talk Can Audio. <laughs> What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. My name is Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the show. Make sure you're following along on social media, at Tall Can Audio. Happy to be welcoming back for the first time since, I guess it was around the spring, he was uh, he was in town and in studio. Kevin Mickey's here. What's going on, man? Greetings, Matt Robinson. It's a true pleasure to be back on the pod. Wow, okay. I like that. Uh, you've been a busy man. I've been following you on social media. You've had a lot going on. We're... We're going to get into some of that, because uh, I, I have many questions for you, but uh, I do have to start with where we always start, the beers. What have you brought to the table here today, man? On a workday, no less, for mm. me, but I've decided, what the hell, you're worth it. <laughs> uh,
1: this afternoon, I am enjoying a Voodoo Ranger courtesy of New Belgium Brewing, and uh, which is actually uh, brewed in Canada by Steam Whistle. And my buddy who works
0: for Steam Whistle brought over a few beers this weekend, and so That is what I've decided to enjoy. See, I forgot you got that that hookup there at Steam Whistle. I think you mentioned that one of the earlier times you were on here, man. That's pretty nice. It's quite enjoyable to have that hookup. And this weekend, I'm actually
1: going away to a bachelor party, and this same friend is coming along. And he is immediately the most popular man who comes (laughs) to said bachelor party because he's bringing a keg of Steam Whistle with him. Whoa. Whoa. I know. It's to, how do you get more popular than that? Just Always invite bringing... your beer friends
0: to oh. uh, to parties. <laughs> yeah. Always. Yeah. That's, okay. that's, that's good life advice. Uh, I got one here got that, one uh, that anyone who is even mildly into the craft beer scene uh, has heard of before. This is just from the uh, the Muskoka Craft Brewery. Uh, this is their craft lager. Um, I got to tell you, Kev, uh, to come and do this, I have pulled myself off the dock. It's about 27 degrees and sunny here. And, uh, yeah, it it was tough to come in, but this is a a beer I've had a couple of maybe if I'm being honest before we started, uh, even though it is an early afternoon recording, I don't have to go to work later today like yourself. So, uh, I've started one or two of these. This is just, uh, on a hot summer day, man, the craft lager, um, from Muskoka never steer you wrong. Just 4.8%. You can just kind of fire that up early in the day and cruise for a while, right? It's not bad. It's, oh, hell
1: yeah. If I'm ever not sure which beer I want to drink, we'll always seek out is a detour. And I always consider detour uh, kind of like it's like the gateway to other IPAs. If you're not a big IPA fan, go to a detour first because it has the IPA flavor to it. And then you can go from the 4%-ish that the detour is and into something like a Voodoo
0: Ranger, which is a 7%. Nice. Okay. So you're all kinds of life advice here. This is the gateway to IPAs for uh, anyone who's looking to one of those. Um, Help us out here, man. Some of you uh, or some of our listeners, obviously, down there in the GTA in the Toronto area. I'm not there often enough. I know you know the scene. Is there anything uh, this summer you've been into to try that's new, a new spot, a new beer, anything on your mind there, beer-related that uh, you might be able to shout out for us? You know what? Uh, There are a few. Um, I would say that Leftfield Brewery, again, I feel like I...
1: I will always compliment these guys quite often, but it's because they're literally my favorite brewery in the city. Um, they actually just did a collab beer with Dan Schulman and Blue Jays manager John Schneider called Frozen Rope. Um, it's also uh, 6.7%, but it is tasty. It is a smooth IPA, very, very nice.
0: I should be in touch. Speaking of beer friends, Dan Shulman's been on this podcast a few times. I can't believe he hasn't hooked me up yet. And uh, I'll have to get him back on the show to explain himself. Uh, Yeah, please. Honestly, this is where we go. Kev, you've been traveling a little bit. I want to talk some wrestling with you. I might ask you about your, uh, your thoughts on the Leafs off season here, but, but you were recently in Japan and I'm curious, did you do any scouting there on a, the beer front and B, was it a wrestling related trip for those who are kind of more casual into the wrestling scene, Japan, uh, a hotbed for wrestling. A ton of history there. Were you able to check out any wrestling over in Japan or was this a different kind of trip than that?
1: So the original genesis for me wanting to go to Japan, this has been a, it's been a trip that I've wanted to take for a long time. Uh, The original genesis would involve two things. Number one, I wanted to go see some baseball games. Yeah. Number two, I wanted to go see some wrestling and I accomplished both of those. Uh, Went to see a stardom event, which is Japan's uh, it's an all-women's roster that is affiliated with New Japan Pro Wrestling, mm-hmm. and I saw it in the legendary Karukuren Hall. I'm not sure I pronounced that correctly, <laughs> but um, and there's been a ton of major, very noteworthy events to take place in that, and that's actually right beside the Tokyo Dome, so I did this in the same day where I went to see wrestling in Karukuren Hall, and then immediately after that, I went to the Tokyo Dome to go see the Yomiuri Giants, a.k.a. the Tokyo Giants, um, take on the Nippin-Ham, uh, the Nippin-Fighting, Nippin-Ham <laughs> Fighters, that's, it. that's what it's called. <laughs> so, um, they
0: do they have, do have some fascinating right names in Japanese baseball for, uh, for their teams. Oh, indeed. And Which, actually, the, the second game that I saw, I saw two baseball
1: games, yeah. uh, the second game that I saw, I s- went to uh, see Yokohama. And that's the team that Trevor Bauer plays for. Oh, wow. For baseball fans who remember that real peach of a human being. Yeah. Uh, and my, my wife and I are walking up and I say, you know, this is the team that Trevor Bauer plays for. And I went on to explain who Trevor Bauer is, mm-hmm. what Trevor Bauer has been up to. Uh, and I said, so anyways, he's a big piece of crap, this guy. Like he, <laughs> you know, he's been accused of sexual assault by so many people. And we're standing in line to go get, uh, to get a beer beforehand. And as I turned, they have TVs in the concourse and I went, Oh my God, he's pitching today. (laughs) And he's warming up because I had heard he'd, he'd come over to Japan and he performed so poorly that they sent him down to the Japanese minor leagues. Oh wow. But apparently he came back. He threw a gem that Mm. game. Complete game allowed one run. It was a bomb of a home run, but he rather, it was like three hits, one run, complete game, just dominant. I think he struck out like 10. He There's was nothing absolute.
0: worse than like watching somebody you hate do well at anything. Like, it's... And he was incredible, that right. game. The
1: fans were so enthralled by him. So baseball in Japan, real sporting, sporting events in general in Japan, are, is different than North America. Uh, there is no booing or jeering or anything surrounding that nature. Everything is just positive. For instance, there was... At the Yokohama game, there's a very close play at second at second base where uh, the home team is called safe the away team challenged call overturned out in North America you go to a blue jay game it's immediately
0: Boo, yeah.
1: Yeah. you suck up you eat shit fuck you shit like that <laughs> in Japan everyone goes oh and then good moves, on, good moves on moves on with their day
0: yeah. <laughs> What a positive outlook on the world! Uh,
1: it's it's very it's very nice. Uh, I will say too that one thing that you would enjoy in at baseball games, there are the ratio of spectators to beer vendors is higher than any sporting event I've ever been to <laughs> in my life. And what's really incredible is the beer vendors are all these young women who are walking or flying up and down the stairs. Uh, walking up and down to try and serve these people, they're these little young women who wear kegs on their backs. Nice. And you flag one down; they pour you a beer. You pay them, and it's uh, it was like at Tokyo Dome it was eight bucks for a beer, and then at Yokohama, I think it was seven bucks. Mm-hmm. No tipping either. Uh, the tipping's not customary in Japan. Right. You pay for your beer, and then they're on their way. I chatted with one of the one of the servers, and she said that um, in order for I think it's 30 beers are in each, the kegs on their backs. And every time they sell a full keg, they get an extra, uh, what's the equivalent? What the equivalent would be like $20 Canadian for selling that? Hmm. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Did so you ask her to sit down beside you? And she's going to yes, make her money right here. <laughs> yeah, I said, fill it up again. <laughs> the the beer was all like pretty good Japanese beer. Yokohama had partnered with this craft brewery in the area to do this specialty Yokohama beer. Uh, that was really really good. I sucked back several of those, and then in the Tokyo Dome, it was all like your standard Japanese beer, like Sapporo, uh, Acai, mm-hmm. um, and then a couple other ones. You mean like the, the Moon Salt? I'm,
0: I am forgetting. Uh, what's that story? You mean like the Moon Salt? The Asai Moon Salt, isn't that what? That,
1: you're... <laughs> that's that's correct. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. I ordered the beer, and then I received the Moon Salt. It was tough.
1: <laughs> but the, man, it was the beer was so good. It was like drinking. It's like. Going and drinking out of the stream, it felt like it was so good. I don't know if I was just brainwashed because I was in Japan, so I was thinking everything Japanese was that damn good. Right. Because I got home and I had a Sapporo, and I was like, meh, I don't know. It just didn't, didn't seem like it was as good. But yeah. in Japan, I was like, this is the greatest beer I've ever had in my life. It's so damn good. It's just fresh. This is the way people lips. talk
0: about Guinness, right? When they go to Ireland... It's great, and people still like Guinness here, but it's not quite the same, apparently, as if you have it over there.
1: I'm glad you brought this up, because approximately 10 years ago, I was in Dublin. I actually went to Dublin for St. Patrick's Day, and we went to the Guinness Brewery for their brewery tour, which actually isn't that great. It's just (laughs) like you're actually just going through like a museum, which I didn't find as interesting. I wanted to actually know how the beer was brewed. Right. But the best part of it is you go to this—it's like this tower— this like this observational tower, and it's one of the highest points in Dublin because Dublin doesn't have skyscrapers, and you enjoy a Guinness up there at the end of your tour, and you are absolutely correct. The Guinness there is so damn fresh and so damn good. I was drinking those multiple per day, and I feel like when I'm here, I don't want to drink multiple Guinness per day because it's like I'm eating a couple of loaves of bread at the same time.
0: <laughs> it is fantastic, but I just also might have just been brainwashed sure. from where I was. Other way, delicious. So, seeing a baseball game at the Tokyo Dome—was it extra good? Would you give it six stars? Like, what kind of an experience was it? Oh, it was the Meltzer six star immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I might even give it six and a half stars.
1: Yeah, it was—it was awesome, man. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's just the sporting atmosphere I found so unique. So. Uh, enjoyable, the fans were all extremely enjoyable, like no, there's zero hostility amongst anyone, there's the huge away supporters section, and during, while their players are up at bat, they all have uh, chants and songs for each individual player, and then when the home team comes up at bat, same thing, Uh, constantly chanting and cheering on their own players, it was just an incredibly enjoyable experience. And but nobody booing
0: that, Trevor Bauer. That's that's a bummer to me. That's,
1: nobody booed Trevor. I and I I didn't want to boo him because I didn't want to be that one guy, that one white guy who was just sitting there just being this obnoxious. People would think I'm American, even though I was wearing a Blue Jay hat. Right. Uh, and they'd go and they go like oh, another one of these damn Americans. <laughs> As I'm sitting there just sixteen acais deep booing all these players. <laughs>
0: Uh, What about Um, the wrestling, wrestling man? man, We've talked about it a little bit on the podcast over the years with you and and other guests who uh, were willing to come in and talk a little wrestling. I'm I'm curious. One of the things that you hear about Japanese wrestling fans is that they treat it almost more like the theater right where you sit politely and watch and applaud whereas you know at a North American event maybe similar to what you're talking about with with baseball you're you're up and you're cheering all the time and you're loud and you're more obnoxious what was it like to see wrestling in Japan compared to watching it in North America it's essentially like you described everyone is very quiet polite
1: when a big move happened cheering otherwise relatively quiet save for a couple of fans chanting or just cheering slash yelling the name of the wrestler in the ring. Uh, and that was essentially it. And it was, I bought a solo ticket. I sat near the top of Karukaran Hall, which actually isn't that big. You couldn't talk your 12. wife in come
0: into coming to the wrestling part she, of the day. <laughs> she was fine missing that one. And I said, I said, that's fine. Too. Yeah.
1: Um, we, I sat up there. It was funny when I got there, I was trying to figure out where I could order a beer. And I stood in this line and a woman walked up to me with a clipboard and handed it to me. And I looked at it and I was like, I have to write down what I want on this clipboard. And I looked at it and she like asked me something in Japanese and surprisingly, which I didn't understand. And she asked me, or she asked me something and I looked at her and I just went, uh, beer? And she went, oh, and she led me towards the beer area where there were zero people in line. I was standing in line for <laughs> I was standing in line for merch, which was a <laughs> massive lineup. But I didn't. I didn't want merch. I just wanted beer. And right. There was nobody in the beer lineup. It was perfect. <laughs> I, I learned how to say like four things in Japanese, and one of them was biru, which is beer. Yes. Be, so people knew what I wanted very clearly. And another one was somebody would go, somebody would ask me and my wife, uh, uh, "Oh, American." And I'd say, no, no, Canada, which means I'm Canadian. And then they immediately go, Canada.
0: Oh, I'm <laughs> very pleased all of a sudden that I'm Canadian. Right. No, I've had uh, a friend of mine who travels as a, a Paralympic athlete, and she's been to Japan a couple times and said the same thing that at first they kind of give you a look when they think you're an American. And then as soon as you explain Canadian, now she's always wearing Team Canada garb all over the place anyway and so she said everybody's much nicer to you when they figure that out so yes absolutely immediately the there is i mean there's no hostility to begin with but um, everyone is quite pleased to be chatting with a canadian <laughs> so what else happened over there i guess we should we you, you should tell us a little about the trip what else did you see obviously your wife didn't want to see any of the uh, the wrestling there must have been something in japan she was interested in seeing what did you guys fill your time with over there man we walked and walked and walked. So we stayed in Tokyo for
1: six nights, and it felt like we barely saw any of it. It's just because Tokyo is a million little cities in one mega city. It's just super gigantic. Um, we walked all over the place. We shopped. We ate. I didn't have a bad meal there. Uh, everything was so damn good. Um, for people who are, like, super into eating beef, uh, every single style of beef there is Wagyu beef. So it's just everywhere you're getting the top-quality beef. Uh, We went to, like, steakhouses. We went to authentic sushi places. We went to, like, all these little street stalls, different forms of fish, like uh, teppanyaki. Uh, Every single thing that I ate was delicious. And we spent a lot of our time just essentially searching out awesome places to eat. If you're thinking about traveling somewhere far away... I cannot recommend Japan enough. And you can find some, it's, I would say that like the economy is relatively similar to Canada's, uh, the, the cost of things, but you can still find really great deals on stuff. Like Chelsea and I went to, Chelsea's my wife. Right. Chelsea and I went to, uh, uh, this one little tiny stall that was like serving, uh, like essentially kebabs, um, Japanese versions of kebabs. And I ordered like four beers and we ate a ton of little dumplings and kebabs. And it was like twenty five, thirty dollars Canadian for this meal. Nice. Chelsea had a couple of drinks too. Yeah. Uh, the one drink that they love there is a uh, is highballs. They absolutely love a highball, so those are available everywhere in uh, which is like whiskey and soda water, essentially, uh, or whiskey and gi- whiskey and ginger, or whiskey and gin. Um, <laughs> whiskey, whiskey and ginger, sorry.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, not whiskey and gin. <laughs> That'd be a a hell of a twist. Seriously. How are you staying polite at your sporting events doing whiskey and gin? (laughs) No, it's just me just all all the time going, I love this place.
1: This is amazing. Uh, Yeah, eating was amazing. Uh, We went to this – when we were in Osaka, we went to this one uh, restaurant that was – it wasn't even a restaurant. It was a bar, and it was a pro-wrestling-centric bar called Bar 299. And I watched – like a Japanese pay per view live there. They were doing like the super show that was in Tokyo. It was like the day after I left Tokyo. The timing didn't quite work out, right. unfortunately. Uh, it was like a super show with New Japan, All Japan, and uh, Noah. Okay. And it was just a pretty star studded show. And I went there and I watched it with just a bunch of other random wrestling fans. <laughs> uh, Chelsea came with me too, and it was, it was a lot of fun.
0: Nice, man. Well, that sounds like a pretty solid trip where you're able to get a little bit of little bit everything right you can get a little wrestling get a little baseball and 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 a little culture at the same time and and culture doesn't always come with wrestling trips so it's nice culture, to, be able to squeeze a little bit of that in. i am i'm
1: far from cultured <laughs> i'm not a cultured man so it was nice to finally see and receive some right
0: okay uh look i want to talk to you a little bit about what's coming up this weekend in the in the wrestling world but before we do I know you understand that this is a problem, right? As, as someone who works in sports media, you're aware that often the Toronto Maple Leafs don't get quite enough coverage, right? We, we seem to miss them sometimes. And I found yeah, myself... Sorry, recently, yeah. I, almost,
1: I almost forgot about
0: them. <laughs> and I have found myself recently talking an awful lot of Ottawa Senators on this podcast, and we all know how they get overcovered, and it's just it's just this issue that we're going to have to work through. It's too much. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you thought of this offseason that the Leafs have had thus far a lot of turnover a lot of guys leaving as we sit here right now Uh, I'm getting a little concerned that I've heard nothing about Willie or about Austin at this point I sort of assumed the Matthews one would take a little time through the summer but that it would get done you know well before camp I'm just sort of in a general sense curious about what you have thought of what the Leafs have done uh this offseason well we could look at it as, a, as glass half full or glass half empty. What would you prefer? I'm always a fairly pessimistic guy, so why don't you bring the other side?
1: Okay. The optimism, the optimistic side of things is Branchry Living is essentially still evaluating the entire roster and evaluating all of his employees who he will be working with in order to or negotiate said future contract extensions for Austin Matthews and William Nylander. That's the optimistic side of things. He's really doing his due diligence Mm. to make sure he knows everyone involved with the process of extending players or offering contracts. I like that, yeah. The pessimistic side is Mm. they kind of screwed themselves by giving Austin, particularly... All of this leverage now where he's in the final year of his deal, he's got a full no-move clause, and he would have to approve anywhere that he goes. And now they've kind of pigeonholed themselves into essentially offering him whatever he wants, lest he walk away for nothing at the end of this season. Where you land as to where you think this will go depends on your pessimistic level. And if you're Toronto Maple Leafs fans, there ain't a lot to be optimistic about in general surrounding this franchise. Pessimism
0: it's, is the resting heart rate for the Toronto Maple Leaf fan. That's right. The Toronto pessimistic Leafs. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's,
1: it's, it's tough to look at and say, I have confidence. But at the same time. I don't know if it's just, I'm at a point in my life where I've just given up worrying about said things or thinking about said things or I've decided that it's not worth me putting my time and effort into thinking about said things because at this point, there is nothing more to think about surrounding what Austin Matthews is going to do. And when I say at this point, I mean particularly in August, going into <laughs> September, when there is zero hockey happening. If we get into the season and let's say Austin rips off an amazing October, and then you go, "Well, the price tag just went up again," mm-hmm. that's where you can start getting a little more pessimistic, and things actually get a little more real. If you want to get, if you want to be optimistic about that, you can say, "Hell yeah, Austin Matthews, one of the top three players in the league, and he's going to lead this team to the playoffs once again." Wake me up when the playoffs start. Is essentially that's what Toronto Maple Leafs fans are doing a lot of the time, anyways because there's no sense in even paying attention to the regular season, because all that matters at this point is what the Leafs are going to do in the playoffs. If you want to be optimistic about it, Austin Matthews, Willie Nylander have amazing seasons. Matthews scores 50, Willie scores 40, lead us into the playoffs, lead us to at least the third round this time. That's the optimistic side of things. Pessimistic, the price tag keeps going up. We haven't negotiated with these guys. They're We're not going to be able to bring them back. We're going to lose maybe one of these guys, maybe two of these guys. And then that's when you can really, really get really sad, become a sad emo boy (laughs) early 2000s style. What if some of us never
0: left sad emo boy early 2000s? Well, then you can
1: come be my friend because I am the same.
0: (laughs) Um, I I always figured... Willie was going to be complicated, right? That was going to be tough. He was by far the most underpaid of the group and, yep. you know, what, he, you know, just kind of the most low profile. You were going to have a hard time getting him to take less than market value again. And and lots of people argued at the time that he didn't take less than market value to get the last contract. But the way everything played out, he was by far the best Uh, return on investment on that last contract. I thought that would be complicated. I really sort of figured they'd go through July 1st. They'd take care of the draft. They'd take care of free agency, everything they needed to do. And then somewhere in late July, mid-August, you'd start to hear about the Matthews thing getting close. And there'd be a press conference because, as you've said, he has all the leverage. And... (laughs) they don't have a choice but to pay him. And I think they're willing to pay him like the star that he is. I hope they're not naive enough to think that because he had sort of a down season last year, that they were going to be able to get him any cheaper. I I think he was always bound to sign the biggest contract in the league uh, based on the timing that he's coming up for renewal. And Austin you're going to have to live with the fact that he has yeah. been a little injury-prone, but he's also a guy who scored 60 goals and won an MVP. Like, you're going to have to pay him like that guy, not the guy who just had this kind of down season. I, I I just didn't think there was any way around that.
1: If you're a Maple Leafs fan who's thinking that management should go to Austin Matthews and say, well, you know, not as good of a season this year, then you are insulting Austin Matthews' intelligence, my friends. He is not stupid. He knows his value. He knows his value in the city of Toronto, Mm -hmm. a team that is starved for hockey success like no other, perhaps like no other professional sports franchise. Starved. He knows his value, and he deserves whatever he's going to get as well. If he does indeed become the highest-paid player in the league, you can't come to me and say, well, that should actually be Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid negotiated his deal...
0: Five, six years ago?
1: It's a different league. Yeah. It is a completely different league. Things keep changing. What, I think today we're recording this. It's Tuesday. And like Brendan Hagel just signed for like eight years and $50 million. Yep. Brendan Hagel. <laughs> so what do you think Austin Matthews deserves? Stupidly more money than that.
0: Yeah, they're not going to be able to haggle with uh, with Austin Matthews here. He's going to get, he, <laughs> get what he wants to get. And he's... Also well aware, I think if you're worried about him leaving, I think he's also smart enough to know that, yes, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get paid. But if I'm a guy who likes being a star, if I like being high profile, if I like making some extra money outside of the cap, this is the place to be. But I don't think there's any reason to believe that means he's going to take uh you know a discount here or anything like that but there's a deal to be made I think it's 13 and a half whatever and it's going to be shorter than we want it to be because there's just no way for the Leafs to do an eight-year deal right now that's high enough based on how the cap's about to go up and as you've said he's not a stupid man he's going to see that the cap's about to explode why don't we do three four years and then we'll talk again and by then, which, if you're a Leaf fan, so sense, it really does, and I take some comfort in that as a Leaf fan. If his wrist really is boned after whatever just happened this year, then well, this is only going to be an of a con- albatross of a contract for three or four years instead of seven or eight. Exactly,
1: pay him fourteen, fifteen million dollars across three years. Mm-hmm. That I don't, I do not see. Even if you think he's going to get hurt, I still do not see. How you could look at that and say, don't pay him. Yeah. There's, there's no scenario in which you say, don't pay Austin Matthews. And I would, I would agree with you. Unless something comes out where he has broken both of his wrists like (laughs) ATBing in Arizona this winter or this summer. Like, but he's, you can't tell me that Austin Matthews would not be worth it, particularly with the value that he has to the Toronto Maple Leafs.
0: So last thing on this then, just kind of in a general sense, uh, they're going to ride with Joseph Wall and Ilya Samsonov in goal. It's been uh, a lot of guys out, Bunting and Kerfoot and, you know, whatever. Coming in, you got Bertuzzi, Domi, Ryan Reeves. Um, You know, what have you just sort of thought as as they've sort of remade the roster here a little bit? First of all, I want to say that I love Ryan Reeves. Yeah. Revo, he's
1: one of my favorite players to watch just in – I feel he has a general enjoyment of playing hockey. And I get enjoyment out of seeing him play hockey. Having said that, I feel bad for the guy because he has signed a contract that if he was offered it, good for him for accepting. Yep.
0: It it's a tough one. That's a tough Three contract. Three years at thirty-seven end. years old for Yeah. Uh, I don't know, boom. Uh, <laughs> it's
1: and it's gonna turn into Leaf fans turning on the guy. Yep. And already I'm going ah Revo doesn't deserve that. He's such a good guy. <laughs> so that sucks. But I can understand the animosity towards that deal and people thinking the deal will not be worth it because in all salary likely, cap
0: one hundred one in, in fandom, right? Is I don't evaluate you on how much I love you. I evaluate on what percentage of my cap you're taking up and whether yes, I think you're worth it. And that sucks as a fan. It does
1: suck. Uh, so I feel bad for the guy. But I understand the animosity towards the deal. I hope that they don't take it out on Revo in general because he is a beauty. Yeah. Uh, The team is going to be worse defensively this season. We're going to really see what kind of defensive coach Sheldon is because the team has been very good defensively the last few years. Um, John Klingberg, Max Domi, and Bertuzzi are certainly no defensive wizards. (laughs) You could figure that out. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I can't make any proclamations as to what I think this team will be. I'm very intrigued to see what the first couple months of the season will look like. And how this team's going to play. Will Austin Matthews feel like he, he wasn't playing like this already where he was like sheltering himself from any physicality? You could last season, the guy was very much willing to take punishment, both mm-hmm. in the form of, uh, going into corners, getting hits and also shot blocking as we saw uh, plenty of that. Um, is there going to be more leash for someone like Mitch Marner who's going to feel more comfortable perhaps on the ice knowing that somebody like a Ryan Reeves has his back. I don't know the general feeling as to what the Leaf players think of Ryan Reeves and what the general feeling is being on the ice with a dude like a Ryan Reeves in your corner. I can only look back and say that Wayne Gretzky sure loved having Marty McSorley in his corner Mm -hmm. at all times throughout his playing career. Is this going to be the same way? I don't know. The league has changed a lot in 30 years. Not sure if you've noticed. (laughs) It's just going to be – I'm not in the business of making proclamations for this team. I'm more in the business of expressing my intrigue and my desire to want to watch how the first couple of months play out for the Leafs. I'm just very intrigued as to what this team will look like.
0: Well, and that, if nothing else, is – is something because for the last couple of years it's been yeah call me in April and uh, yep. there'll be reason to watch the first few games here at least it's going to be different there's no doubt about that uh, big time yeah uh, I want to ask you wanna... to kind of help me understand and, and to put into context what we're about to see this weekend at Wembley Stadium and that is all in from uh, all elite wrestling and and that of course for people sort of more casual around the wrestling fan or uh, around the wrestling world is i don't know for the longest time it's sort of they've been the new kids right the the cool kind of punk rock up and coming um you know new group that that kind of had that hip factor to them and now they've been around for a few years and they're sort of settling in um got themselves three shows a week now uh big pay-per-views and this is in england an eighty thousand seat by the or it looks like a 80,000 tickets in the neighborhood has been sold here. They're talking about $10 million gate. Yeah. Um, this is the first uh, stadium show this big in England since SummerSlam 92, which I got to tell you, Kev, just because it's been on my mind knowing this was coming up. had to go back and, and watch a little bit of SummerSlam 92. had to watch Hit, some... Hitman and Davy Boy. Had what to a, watch what a match. I had to see it, right? And so uh, check some of that out. But that's a different world. That's 30 years ago, as you rightly pointed out, as upsetting as it is that I can use that phrase. I was 10 years old by then. (laughs) Uh, Look, Look, it's going to be a huge show, but I'm wondering if you can kind of help me understand what it means, right? This is a one-off We're going over there. We can turn it into a huge event as opposed to trying to do a WrestleMania every year for WWE. They're now doing two nights. Like, How should we read the success of this event for AEW, who's still kind of up and coming and trying to establish themselves um, here in North America? But as they go and make this trip to England, it's going to shatter British records, European records for pro wrestling.
1: It's going to shatter all records for pro wrestling, save for... The 1995 show in North Korea, which apparently had something like 180,000 people in attendance, which, of course, we can take – with is
0: obviously true coming from North Korea. Oh, yeah. Pretty reliable press over there. And Absolutely. <laughs> uh,
1: so as far as I know, it is already – the amount of tickets that have been distributed, not physically – don't say paid for, but physically distributed for the show. interesting
0: distinction. I saw that today too, right? 80,000 tickets, or 80,000 fans in attendance did not say sold. So, it has passed um, all other
1: tickets, ticketed pro wrestling events in terms of tickets distributed. Okay. The gate is, as far as I know, the revenue will be a record as well. It's going to come in close to ten million dollars. So you're
0: not talking about just Europe. You're talking about the world. Okay. It's I think WrestleMania 32 has the has the record. Yeah, and that's it, the one at Texas
1: Stadium, right? That's that's right. Yeah, and I I believe this has overtaken this. How do you read this?
0: A couple of ways. Number one. So you're the, not buying I mean, just before you move out. You're not buying ninety three thousand at the Silverdome for Hogan and Andre. That's uh,
1: uh, no, no, no. It's, I'm buying, that, I'm buying as, that as much as I buy all of Hulk Hogan's stories okay, about okay. anything he said in the past 30 years.
0: Fair enough. Uh,
1: good for AEW. They are a legitimate form of competition to WWE, and they are legitimately entertaining. I enjoy watching the product. Um,. This is also, another way to look at it, this is also a country that is starved for big-time pro wrestling in the same way that anytime WWE comes to Canada, they will routinely sell a huge amount of tickets. I mean, you just saw WWE roll through Toronto and Montreal. Were you at that uh, one for Edge? And I was not. I could not oh, make it, okay. unfortunately.
0: Um,
1: I, did, I actually didn't know a lot of people that went, uh, which is weird cuz I was actually of,
0: thinking the opposite my, my Twitter feed of some of the local media guys in Toronto I follow all, a lot of them seem to be there that I didn't even know were wrestling fans so just interesting. small sample so, sizes right you know maybe it was the fact that I don't I didn't know a ton of people from uh Rogers
1: sure. I didn't know a lot of people I didn't know a lot of people from Rogers slash Sportsnet okay, fair enough uh but yeah like I I think I saw yeah like John Pollock was there like waiting a bunch a bunch of the Local boots, and then right, it was very, done up
0: pretty well, right? He's wearing the blue and white tights. I believe he had the Boreas Salming patch on his tights, yeah, which was yeah. awesome. Like he, if if this is going to be it for for Edge, not a bad way to go out in, in your hometown. And they they did the the sign some leaf jerseys and stuff. Like really leaned into the hometown thing.
1: Yeah, and afterwards he cut a promo after SmackDown went off the air. That and he said that this is probably it for him in Toronto. He said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go another year before we come back here again. He said, This is probably it. Hmm. Very interesting. It'd be one hell of a way to go out, cap a hell of a career. Good for Edge. Yep. Yep. Um, But back to AEW. Right. It's England is very jazzed up for this. First of all, to bring a major, major event like All In to Wembley, one of the perhaps the most famous stadium in all of the UK. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a huge, huge uh, gimmick, I suppose you could say. (laughs) Um, I I don't, I don't know whether we should put all of this, all of your stock into AEW just based on these ticket sales and the general interest in this. It's going to be a great show. They have very intriguing matchups. Um, it's 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 hard to make a defining statement about it, other than to say people in the UK absolutely love pro wrestling, and they're fired up to go see this. Will that interest continue to generate towards uh, making AEW the most uh, prosperous wrestling organization? I'm not sure. That's another wait and see attitude. Uh, again, I'm not in the business of making big proclamations, but I will say that I don't think that you will. You should look at the tickets distributed and the number of fans and attendance, and say. AEW will surpass WWE someday. Right. Say that at your own peril. Uh, or you can say WWE would not be able to run Wembley and sell this many tickets. Can't say that either. You don't know that because if WWE ran WrestleMania in Wembley, they could sell a hundred thousand tickets. Right. You you don't, you don't know for sure. I'm, it's just gonna, I'm very intrigued to see what the production is like of this, what the, What the fan interest is in every single matchup, what the reaction on the internet wrestling community is, if they like it or if they don't. Either way, a lot of intrigue surrounding it. It's like the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's so much intrigue in just watching to see how it plays out, rather than making a proclamation as to what you think has already happened and a defining statement surrounding that. It's just going to be very interesting. Um... Hopefully this ends with
0: less heartbreak than being Toronto Leafs. Knowing pro wrestling, I'm not so sure. Um, Uh, To your knowledge, has, has AEW been to Europe for a big show before? No. No, this is it. So that's part the, of it first too, time. right? Like all those fans that would have been gradually building up on the internet and liking, you know, maybe lapsed WWE fans who were getting back into it or just that cool factor that AEW had for the first uh, several months. And maybe he still does. I'm not trying to say that's past, but the novelty of a new company has worn off in North America. If this is the first time you go there, yeah, it, all those people with all that pent up excitement for the, the show are going to come not just from England, but from around Europe. You know, there's a reason that this has been so successful. And it's not like you're trying to say they would be able to do this once a year or once a month or whatever. But it's the first time since this company came into existence in 2019. Yeah, they're pretty fired up. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, first time doing anything, first time going somewhere, first
1: time hosting a big event, you're going to get general fan interest. And that will equate to ticket sales and money. So that's another great point as to why this is being portrayed as this huge, massive event in the history of pro wrestling.
0: Right. And you pointed out, you know, if WWE were to go there for a WrestleMania, it would shatter records. It would do huge business. WWE has made the conscious choice not to. They believe that the time difference would kill them, right? They don't want to run WrestleMania at 2 p.m. or the Royal Rumble at 2 p.m. And they can go at a different point in the year like they did last year to clash in the castle and did that in Wales. They can travel to Europe at other times and put this show on now that they're on the network instead of looking to sell pay-per-views. You can do a couple shows a year that happen in Saudi Arabia in the middle of the day, uh, in Europe that happen in the middle of the day, in Australia that happen in the morning or whatever that's going to look like. But they don't want to put WrestleMania or one of their, you know, two or three or four tent post events every year. They're worried about that. And so they're going to happily stay in North America where cities bid to have it. They don't try and hunt down cities. Cities come to them now and say, like a Super Bowl. We want WrestleMania, and so they don't have to put their business in this situation. So I'm not by any means trying to run down what AEW has done here. This is a tremendous success, but there are reasons that WWE has chosen not to do this. Absolutely, and that's another point to say, like, oh, well,
1: WWE couldn't do this. Like, yes, they fucking could. Yes, they absolutely could, and that's to your point. They... But WWE is not in the business of taking huge risks. Don't have to anymore when it, when it comes to money makers. They yeah. have their cash cows. They're going to go to Philadelphia the, next year at Lincoln Financial Field where the Eagles play, and they're going to sell seventy-five or eighty thousand tickets, wherever the hell it's going to be. Yep. As, as, whatever. I don't know how many tickets they'll sell, and <laughs> they'll make the, so much damn money, and they don't have to worry about should they have gone to. England for this? Mm-hmm. No, they don't have to. They're gonna they're gonna be laughing, counting all the cash that they've made, while letting AEW do whatever the hell they want with themselves. Yep. Uh,
0: interestingly phrased. Go, go, go play with yourself, <laughs> AEW. Uh, so let's talk briefly about the card. Uh, uh, you said a minute ago that you know it's an intriguing card. Uh, there's some stuff on there that I'm interested in, but I, I've seen some people. Disappointed on Twitter. I know that would seem outrageous to think that people on the internet don't what? love everything. But that maybe for this first trip to Wembley that this card maybe is a little light or a little odd I've seen mentioned a couple times. But at the same time, you, you, you know, Tony Khan knew going in, the guy who's running AEW, the tickets are sold. I, basically, I can book whatever card I want. Uh, as you look up and down the card here and, and see the matches that they have set up, are you impressed by it? Are you disappointed by it? Are you sort of somewhere in the middle? What are you looking forward to on the, on the show? So we have our friends uh, wrestling bring on Twitter. Yes, um, great, great
1: uh, use of. Uh, they have Patreon and they have uh, uh, Twitch. Geez, Christ, Twitch. Yeah, Christ, I couldn't think of the name <laughs> of it. Uh, they have Twitch as well. Great spot to go uh, for all post AEW events. They do a great job recapping mm-hmm. uh, with Josh and Zooms. So. On pay-per-view weeks, they put out a little question on a scale of one to seven: Where are you on your excitement level? So, if I were, if you were to ask me that question, you can go ahead and ask
0: me that. Uh, what's your excitement level for this weekend's show from on a scale of uh, one to seven? Oh wow! Thank, that's an interesting question. Thank you for asking. Uh, I would say that my
1: interest level is probably at a three and a half, mm-hmm. four, where I want to watch. I think I will enjoy watching. Yeah. But is there one particular match I look at and I say, fucking right, doggy. Like, I am fired <laughs> up for this. Which is very much unlike when Forbidden Door was in Toronto just a couple of months ago. I was dying to see Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega. I right. did not disappoint. Right. I look at this card, Will Ospreay's on the card versus Chris Jericho. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, yep. yeah, I'd like to see that. That seems like it'd be fun. Yep. Uh, what else do we have here? Ah, oh, yes, the Golden Elites with uh, Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega, and Hangman taking on uh, Takeshita and Bullet Club Gold. Like, yeah, you know what? That could be a pretty good match. Uh, Aussie Open versus MJF and Adam Cole. You uh-huh. know, sure, some injury. That'll set up the rest of the night.
0: At one point, the- CM Punk, Samoa Joe was amazing in 2005. Is it still amazing in 2023? We'll see. And they,
1: and they already had the match. Yeah, yeah. They had that match already, which I find very interesting that they did that. Um, you know, I, that's another matchup, like you just mentioned. Oh, yeah. That, sure, I know the history. That's interesting. Um, FTR, is Cash Wheeler going to come out Can of the he, ring with a gun? I don't know.
0: <laughs> Can to he travel every, to England?
1: Yeah, to fill everybody else. I, I saw some people reporting immediately that he will, in fact, be allowed to travel to England. Okay. Um, For those so who've fill, missed it, he's, yeah. in, he's in some legal trouble uh he flashed yeah. a gun at somebody during a road raid, incident. you're not allowed to do that. That's, that's not good. Apparently, he didn't point the gun at them; he <laughs> yeah, just flashed it. Sure, yeah, Either no. way,
0: he got in some trouble for it. Yeah, um, there are worse things know? to flash, I guess. But FTR, <laughs> I suppose so. Well, AW is playing with themselves uh, over there. A, <laughs>
1: a different, a magnum source.
0: <laughs>
1: it's you know, FTR. Up until I saw Kenny versus Will Osprey, FTR versus. Uh, DIY was my the favorite match, my favorite match that I've ever seen live at take, Takeover Toronto. Um, so you know, FDR versus the Young Bucks, sure, two of the best tag teams in the world. That could be a sweet match. But I look at every single match in the card, and it, there's n- no single match that gives me that. If you were to ask me, that seven out of seven feeling,
0: right? It, it's it's. It's tough because, you know, you mentioned Will Ospreay and, and what it, he's going to wrestle Chris Jericho. And as you said, it's interesting, but Chris Jericho's days of putting on five-star matches now that he's into his 50s are are over, right? And so yes. it's an attraction, yeah. but it's not going to likely be a great match, right? We, we, it's just there's a lot of that going on. we are kind of like, all right, like there's some interesting matchups here, but this doesn't look to my granted – less educated than wrestling brain. Uh, mind, uh. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't feel like we're going to see some of these, like there were people talking coming out of Forbidden Door in Toronto that they had seen not just one, but their two best matches they'd <laughs> ever seen on one night. I, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case for this one. And you know what? You're absolutely right in that analysis,
1: but also maybe that's a benefit to AEW. Maybe now they can surprise everybody yeah. with what we will see. I don't know. There's this crazy stadium stampede match. Maybe mm-hmm. That'll be fun. I don't know. There's going to be some obviously stupidly crazy spots in all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, the one match that I can tell you I'm not, that would be my lowest interest level. Hmm. Probably MJF
0: versus Adam Cole. I, really? Yeah. You know, the championship match, the main event.
1: It's when Adam Cole was in NXT, I was all in on Adam Cole. Yeah. Since he's come
0: over. I see what you I did just, there.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh since he's come over, I'm not gonna say I've been all out, but <laughs> I just I there hasn't been as much intrigue for me in Adam Cole's character and this whole tag team thing and the pre-packaged vignettes that where they've been like joking around with each other and doing stupid shit, running around like working out with each other or whatever. Like ah it just It hasn't hit for me. I can understand the appeal, and I can understand why other people are really enjoying it. And, like, that's cool. Enjoy it. But for me, it just... It hasn't been for me, and I just don't... It just doesn't feel like it's a main event matchup that will take place in front of 80,000 people. It doesn't... I don't want to use... I don't want to use this analogy, but I can't for... Lack of being able to think of another analogy, it doesn't have the cachet of Hogan versus Andre <laughs> in front of 100,000 people, right. people or 400,000 people whatever sure. Hogan said. <laughs> uh, it, it just doesn't have that same – it doesn't have that main event feel to me. And I can't put it into words as to why exactly it doesn't other than I just haven't been that invested in this rivalry, in this storyline, and particularly in Adam Cole.
0: See, I fully expect, like most people, that as soon as this is done, pro- and most likely during the match, MJF is going back hardcore heel. But I yeah. wasn't done with him there, right? Like, I, I'm not enjoying this because I prefer Adam or MJF the asshole. And so mm-hmm. this thing where he's kind of friendly and, and you know at some point exactly how this is all going to end and, and blow up and whatever, and that's fine. But yeah, Adam Cole hasn't been compelling enough and I prefer... The other m j f to the one that we're seeing right now, and I, I again I understand it's just a temporary thing, but this this hasn't done it for me and i, I don't know what else maybe would have you know had Danielson not gotten hurt you, no doubt mm. he's in, involved in something here i i don't know what would have felt in this uh, you know secondary North American company like an eighty thousand person Stadium main event. I don't know what they were gonna put there to make me feel that way. There was no Hogan Andre to use your analogy that they could trot out there, but this isn't it. And like you, I'll I'll check some of this out. I'm intrigued by some of it, but I'm not like pumped for any of it.
1: Yeah, I'm feeling the exactly the same way. Yeah. Uh, I'm and again, I'm gonna be away this weekend at a bachelor party, and I doubt I'm gonna be able to convince the boys to throw to. It's like, yeah, you guys want to <laughs> split whatever it costs for a pay per view, and we can fire up all-in at one o'clock in the afternoon it's like no we want to go drinking on the lawn and play
0: cornhole and things of that nature I like oh okay well let's do that then i think that's fair yeah a lot of cornhole right after AEW's done playing with it. all right i'm gonna let that analogy <laughs> die
1: <laughs> as soon as i said cornhole i said well, i'm really leaning into this yeah exactly These
0: innuendos that i've been playing with for as it were <laughs> so um, i i guess just before we get you out of here then any current thoughts on, on what WWE did coming out of SummerSlam, what they're go, doing with Jey Uso? I, I sort of feel like this was always my fear, and I'm certainly willing to be corrected. But when they didn't put over Cody at Mania, I was okay with that. But the idea of going an entire year, another like it's a long time, and asking people to stay invested in that story – is, is tough. And they've stayed invested this long. And the Jey Uso mm-hmm. thing is interesting, but it's still a long way to mania. And you've got a lot of time to fill, a lot of shows to fill where people now know you're not doing anything until mania. You go into all of these shows with almost no belief that Roman is losing that title until they get to WrestleMania in Philadelphia. At least that's my read on it. What Where are you sort of at with what WWE is putting out and that uh, you know, tribal warfare storyline we got going on here? I will say, to, to WWE's credit, it's
1: one of the best storylines that they've done in the history of the company. 100%? The Bloodline. The, the bloodline. It's, it's, it's been fantastic. And Reigns, The Usos, and now Solo Sokoa, Heyman, They've all been amazing. Having said that, it, yeah, it feels like it's dragging a little bit at this point. Yep. Maybe they're taking Roman off to be for a couple of months to try and just refresh it just a tad. Um, it seems like Jay's going away
0: for a little bit too. I saw a report that his contract might actually be up, so maybe they're just renegotiating right now. I have no idea. You want to shock some people? You want to interest me? Just a picture of him in the crowd in England on at All In. you imagine Triple H said, here's a ticket to England,
1: yep. just go sit in the crowd? Yep. That would be something. amazing. Um, if, you know, am I going to be as intrigued to watch Cody versus Roman Part 2 at WrestleMania next year if that's the plan? Right now, I would say no. Yeah. I'm not super fired up for it. I thought Cody was ready for the moment. It felt super natural to do it. Eh, I don't know now, though. As, you know, I still like Cody, but there's no one else. Do so you to get Lex Lugard? It. Is it? <laughs> yeah, oh Christ! Yeah, yeah. And they're gonna they're gonna stick him on the USS, Intrepid. WWE. Yeah. Is, that, is that what it was called the USS? Intre- it was the Intrepid? Intrepid. Yeah. Very nice. Great member. Thank you. Um, and they're just gonna they're gonna have him slam Solo Sokoa. No, they're gonna have a, <laughs> they're, they're gonna have him slam Rikishi. They're gonna bring Rikishi back. Nice. That'll be the, that'll be the equivalent. Um, I, don't, I don't know. There's nobody else on the roster that I can see right now, other than Gunther, that I think that they could really give a push to. But even with Gunther, is Gunther a babyface? I don't know. He's awesome. I love him. Um, but, ugh, I don't know. There's no one there right now that I think it would be justified to end that reign. It felt like Kobe was the right one. And now and I it, don't and know. Everything
0: worked with it, right? He had been injured. He comes back. He does the rumble win. Like, everything was set up to do it. And again, I didn't hate that they were going to make you wait for it. But I do think waiting a whole other year for it is going to be, in the end... A little too long. Maybe the crowd sort of burnt out on at at least being with Cody to the same level um, that he was going into that mania. Roman is, I don't know, I guess we'll see, you know, does everybody leave and then come back in to the bloodline? And now Cody's got to beat them all between the rumble and and mania to get his chance again. Like it, it just it feels like a long road now. It was okay to make me wait from Mania, but probably only to maybe SummerSlam, right? You should have booked that again at that point, or something like that. It just feels like a whole year was yeah. too much.
1: I, I would have been happy with Jay beating Roman at SummerSlam. I thought that Jay that would, have would have been des- wild. Would, I thought that Jay Uso would have deserved that. He's been absolutely incredible, particularly yep. through the pandemic and yep. all the way to now. He has been truly amazing and has separated himself as a single star. I think. If he won, it would have made sense. And then he could have carried the title for a couple of months and then lost it again. And that would have been fine too. Sure. It, it's just, who's going to topple the mountain? It, it's going to be Cody? Sure. I could get that. Another A year after he couldn't? Ah, alright. Yeah. I, I guess I'll be ready for it. Yeah. But it's, it's whatever. It's fine. It's, I don't know. It's just another day in my life, man. What all am right. I stressing about, what am I stressing about this for? I'm going to drink this Voodoo Ranger and just start. Try and forget forget all
0: life's troubles. It's the bloodline, and it's the Maple Leafs. That's the way Kevin Mickey's approaching things at this That's point. That's right, one day at a time. <laughs> I appreciate you doing this, as always, man. It's been fun catching up with you. And uh, look, we tried a couple times throughout the summer, but you're on vacation. You're in Japan. You got a lot of things going on. You're hard man to uh, to pin down. I'm glad you my, came back. My apologies. I was Not actually nuts. just making excuses because I was actually just drinking by myself the entire time. <laughs> Well, that's fine, too. What are you doing yeah. that by yourself? Oh. Yeah, I know. Fire really? on a microphone. I know. Really stupid of me. I appreciate it as always, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, as as we sort of return to normalcy after Labor Day, you know, sports broadcasting, people come back from their vacations, everything sort of starts to come back to normal a little bit. Where are we going to be able to see you in the fall? Uh, I'll be doing a bunch of stuff all over Sportsnet again. Um, it's, just,
1: it's I don't know. I'm not know i am i uh I'm a Swiss Army Knife of sorts for it them seems right that now. They're, yeah. they're applying me in different spots all over the place. Um, I'm, I'm writing a bunch. Uh, I have a story coming out soon about uh, Argos running back AJ Ulet made oh, his nice. professional wrestling debut last weekend. Oh. At a local wrestling promotion in Toronto called Greektown Wrestling, so I wrote about that. Um, in I, season. Good for the yeah. Argos for signing off. That was one of my questions. Okay. I said, how the hell did the Argos let you do this? Yeah. It felt like it was the Dennis Rodman moment where he just <laughs> left left the Bulls midseason to go hang out with Hulk Hogan on WCW. Yeah, And he just said, he was like, no, they were all pumped for me. And uh, Ryan Dinwiddie, their head coach, just said, just make sure you don't get hurt. Yep. And he said, okay, no problem. And he didn't. He was, it was a good show. You know, he speared somebody, put someone through a table, drank some, drank some beers. Yes, he said you he do, wore, right? That's what wrestlers he wore, do He wore jean shorts. He was like, <laughs> yeah, this is a call to stone cold for sure. It was, <laughs> it was, it was a fun little, uh, it was a fun little event. Um, I'm going to be doing something with the head of Greek Down Wrestling as well. His name's Channing Decker. He's one of the wrestlers. Um, there's going to be some content with him on Sportsnet's YouTube page in the next, eh, let's call it Inside the Next Month. Okay. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but you'll see. It involves, it involves tables. <laughs> Hey. Um, and otherwise, I'm going to be on uh, the Fan Five Ninety radio station hosting a few times. Oh, nice! Uh, I'll be doing a bunch of ra- different stuff, producing things
0: to yada yada. Just, I'll be I'll be working essentially. Give me a call, man. I've always wanted to do a guest spot on the fan. Oh, people people it. want to talk to me. People want to know what Matt Robinson thinks about Absolutely. the world. Absolutely. Everybody Hopefully, I'll be able to that. I'll be able to drink while I'm on the radio as well. That'd Ideally, be, yeah. that'd be really key. Obviously. It's the only way to do it, as you can see here. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll wind uh, this one down here. Thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, buddy, no problem. Anytime. We will share uh, Kevin Mickey's socials in the show notes at tallcanaudio.com and, uh, and certainly the upcoming articles and, uh, and YouTube stuff. Keep an eye on our socials for that, at tallcanaudio. Uh, let's get out of here. We'll wrap this up. I've got to get back down to the lake. So uh, for Kevin Mickey, my name is Matt Robinson. We'll see you all next time. Y'all ain't got nothing else for me to drink. I'm a haul ass. No, I'm serious. I'm about to haul ass. If y'all have no better shit than this, to drink, Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall can Audio on your favorite podcast app.